My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And that's how this particular client is now in the process of extracting that equity to uh, assist them to buy the next house. Uh, so you're kind of just riding a bit of a boom wave, at, but at the same time, you have to buy the right property to be able to do so. You know, what, what most people doing are doing right now when they're buying property is they're paying way too much for it. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode of Invest Like a Pro presented by Housefinder, we're chatting with founder and buyer's agency director, Simon Liu. We delve into what happens in a seller's market and discuss who's buying, where and when. In addition, we chat about what investors need to keep at the forefront of their minds when purchasing. Lou dives in with a case study featuring one of his new clients who had recently purchased in the Brisbane area, beginning with what the client's situation was. This particular case study surrounds the uh, the recent boom that you know everyone knows is happening at the moment, uh, whether it's Sydney, Brisbane, um, you know Adelaide. Obviously, in this particular scenario, it's Brisbane. Um, this particular client that I had signed up uh, with me uh, late last year, I would say around about the sort of late November mark. Um, and back then, it was already a completely different market to what it is today. So when we signed up, we had a, um, you know, we obviously run through the, you know, what, what you're after, specifically what you don't want uh, with the type of property that we're looking for. Uh, as you know, my focus has always been on investment properties, uh, has always been on properties that are distressed. You know, properties where we can make money from without 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 relying on the hope of, of capital growth, even though that's also happening right now, just organically. So, you know, this particular client that I ha- uh, ha- have in, in Sydney, he was very new to investing. Uh, he wanted something that was very visually appealing. So something that was quite nice, um, something that he could picture himself living in, which is fine. Um and the the challenge was it it kind of um, uh, clashed with what was happening on the ground and what is currently happening on the ground at the time. So just to give you a bit of context, you know, when I was buying property uh, uh, for clients in this particular area in Brisbane about f- five or six months ago, I would say the mix was about 50-50 owner-occupier 
and 50-50 investor. Okay, so if you had a house, 50% of the interest would be owner-occupiers and 50% of the, of the interest would be from investors. Now, that was fine because when you're competing for a property um, with other investors, uh, it can give you a bit of a, like the way that I work is I, you know, the way I negotiate and things like that, it gives me a little bit of an edge. But when you're competing with owner-occupiers as an investor, uh, it, it presents a lot more of a challenge if you're looking for a bargain, if you're looking for a good deal. Because investors, uh, sorry, owner occupies, they buy emotionally. They buy properties based on how they feel. And then a lot of them aren't really looking at the bottom line in the sense that, okay, you know, they might happily pay an extra $50,000 more, you know, than, than even what it's worth potentially, especially in this market. You know, you see it happening every day. Um, just for the fact that they can picture themselves living there, you know, money's very cheap at the moment. You know, there's a lot of government grants. So for them, the extra $50,000 isn't even their money. That's what they're thinking. But for us as investors, that $50,000 will make or break a deal, you know, as to whether it's a good investment, whether it can help me generate the cash flow or whether I can get enough equity out of this property to buy the next one and so on and so forth. So with me and this client, when we first started looking, we were looking at a lot of sort of, you know, properties that were quite nice to look at, you know, you know, new, newly renovated, modern type houses. Um, but we were competing with so many owner occupiers uh, that the the numbers just didn't make sense anymore. You know, we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't buy these properties that were we're paying above market value for uh, because you know just the multiple offer situations for these houses was just through the roof. Uh, and currently, the mix in this particular suburb that we're talking—I won't—I won't talk about the specific suburb, but the particular suburb that we're looking at at the moment, or we were looking at, um, is now about ninety percent owner occupier. So the shift was from fifty percent owner occupier to ninety percent owner occupier. That's looking in this area. Now that sound, that might sound great from a growth perspective, which it has grown, but we had to shift our strategy a little bit because we had to buy properties where we weren't competing with owner occupiers. So what we did was we, we sat down and we thought, okay, cool, what are your goals? What are you looking to achieve with this property? Are you looking to buy a property to help to make yourself feel good in terms of the fact that it looks new and it, it, it you know feels great and you can picture yourself living there even though you would never probably set foot in that property? Or are we looking for a property that's gonna help you make money, you know, achieve your long-term goal of passive income? help you buy that next property just because we bought a good deal. So when we sort of asked those questions again, you know, it was clear that uh, the goal was the latter. You know, we were looking for an investment property to help us make money to achieve goals. So our shift then knowing that, okay, most of the people on the ground are owner occupiers looking for a house to live in, they're looking for a polished product. We started to focus our efforts on properties that I wouldn't say ugly or, or run down, but properties that were just not may, may not have been hitting the mark with, uh, you know, a lot of the emotional first home buyers. So properties that were a little bit older, uh, maybe a little bit more original, um, properties that, uh, you know, even though they're in a safe, tidy and rentable condition immediately, uh, they had that potential that you can add value to, which coincidentally is what most investors want anyway. So. You know, in doing that, and we all, we're also focusing, you know, like a lot, I would say more than 80% of the properties we buy for our clients are, are off market. 
So, you know, we focused all our efforts on on buy, looking at properties that weren't on the market yet or pre-market properties just before they hit the market. And regardless of what you're seeing in the media at the moment, you know, all the hype that's happening around you about, you know, properties as soon as they get listed, you know, you're getting multiple offers and all that kind of stuff, off-market properties still exist. And they're, they're actually extremely prevalent as well. You know, you just need to... I guess know the right people and have the right conversations with people to 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 get access to them. Um, and in doing that, it's it enabled us to buy a property that was still below market value. It was still distressed. It was property was already rented, which is another thing that I'm finding a lot of. You know, if if there's a first home buyer or an owner occupier that's looking for a house to buy and move into, uh, you can't have a property that's uh, that's already got a tenant in there. You know, otherwise you're going to have to wait. Uh, several months uh, for them to move out before you can actually move in. So, you know, we focused our efforts on property that was already rented, which meant cash flow from the property from day one. And look, yeah, we ended up with a great property that uh, literally just two, I think two, two to three months now, I think it was since we bought this property, they're already looking to extract a significant amount of equity from this house, uh, which was a combination of the fact that we got a good deal in the first place but also just an organic growth that's been happening everywhere in Australia at the moment. So we're kind of, you know, taking advantage of both aspects to pull this equity out and using this equity to buy the next property and the one after that and so on, like I, I, I've talked about in, on previous episodes. So I guess the, the, I guess the moral of the, this particular story or this scenario is that sometimes we have to uh, really sort of just sit down and think about what we want to achieve with property, why are we why are we in the market? You know, what are we looking for? Is it are we looking for properties that will help us as an investor to invest in, i.e., make money, or are we looking for a property that's uh, that will help us? Um, I don't know, feel good <laughs> at night, sleep sit well at night, knowing the fact that you've got like a a nice product at least in the pictures of the ad. Or roof on the over your head kind of thing, you know. That's that's emotional buying. It's almost almost like you're buying for your own self to potentially live in, and that, that's a completely different mindset there. And it, it's fine, you know, to if you're looking to buy a place to live in, like your principal place of residence. Yeah, that's great and all. But if you're an investor, you've got to take that side out of it and then focus mostly on yeah the numbers. Yeah, for sure. And now more important than ever, you know, because everything's going up, and you're competing. Like mum and dads, first home buyers, you know, very emotional buyers. You need to think of a way to sort of counter that. So that's what we've been we've been focusing our efforts on as well. Coming up after the break, Lou reveals the reasons sellers may be selling privately. Some sellers are actually aware that if they put the property on the market, they'll probably get more money for it. But interestingly, for a lot of sellers, you know, maximizing the sale price is not a priority for a lot of people depending on what their situation is. He details the potentially dangerous way many buyers are purchasing at the moment. But that's also very dangerous, especially in a rising market uh, because, you know, even though even though you're, you've bought a property, you're, you're p- potentially playing catch up. We discuss how to get around the obstacle of not seeing any opportunities. I think a lot of people did this in Sydney and Melbourne, you know, back in the boom, uh, at the start of the Sydney boom, for example, uh, you know, everyone obviously wanted to buy as close to the city as possible uh, and they were neglecting uh, Western Sydney 
or, or, or areas that were further out. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Have you been looking for months and getting frustrated that each property you've seen since be a lemon? Or are you after distress, off-market, high cash flow properties in high growth areas, capital city locations? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you are not alone. For being a loyal listener of the podcast, Simon Liu is offering a free one-hour strategy session normally valued at $500 to help put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session, simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form or call Simon directly on 0415-626-342 and quote Property Investory. Lou shares further on the numbers behind this particular deal. What was it on the market for and how did he come across it originally? Like I come across with most deals, um, you know, I have a lot of agents uh, that we've done a lot of business with over the years. You know, some agents we've bought dozens of properties through. So they know that if they present a property to me, uh, if the seller is in a situation where they have to sell very urgently or, or very quietly, then I chances are I can make that happen as smoothly as possible. You know, so typically when you sell a property, you market it, you you put up an ad, you do a hundred, you know, hundreds of inquiries and open homes and, you know, you're dealing with first home buyer shake, shakiness and uncertainties from buyers and, and that can be a quite a draining process, not only for the agent, but for the seller. So, you know, the, when the agent called me up about this property, it was off market, by the way, it never hit the market. Um, the property was a rental already. Uh, again, the seller situation was definitely distressed financially, so he needed to sell this property very, very quickly. Um, so he called me up. If you have the right buyer, we're after we're after a buyer that can make the transaction tra- uh, transaction happen as quickly as possible, but also a, a buyer that will retain the tenant, because in this particular scenario, the tenant was actually a friend of the seller, the vendor. So the seller didn't want to sell it to somebody that was gonna kick them out at some point um, or after the the sale went through. So, you know, for me and my clients, all my clients are investors, that's kind of like a win-win, obviously. You know, if my buyer can buy it and just have a tenant existing there, they love the place, they wanna keep renting it, stay there. You know, we're happy for that to happen. So, you know, when we put these two together, you know, that's how we got the deal and that's how a lot of these deals happen for us uh, currently. You know, agents will call us up. Uh, they've got a property that needs to sell. Um, maybe some don't even want to list it. Some are actually aw- some sellers are actually aware that if they put the property on the market, they'll probably get more money for it. But interestingly, for a lot of sellers, you know, maximizing the sale price is not a priority for a lot of people, depending on what their situation is. You know, there are a lot of situations where people have to sell privately to avoid. Uh, uh, making, you know, uh, making it public that they're selling a house, or whether they're living in it, or whether they're uh, they're 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 selling like an investment property or something like this. So, so that's how we got access to the property. Fantastic, and maybe just run through high level, I guess, in terms of the numbers behind this type of property. How much was it actually offering off the market? And I guess you know, after a bit of negotiation, what did you guys do to get it to the right terms that would suit both parties and make it a win-win? 
So the property we, it, it, uh, itself was, is about, was about 20 kilometres from Brisbane CBD. Uh, I won't reveal exactly where it was. Um, when we looked at the immediate comparables, bearing in mind that in a rising market, which is where we're in at the moment, the comparables that we're looking at are, are usually about two months old already by the time they register with the title's office before the price becomes public because most agents, when they're selling a property now, they don't reveal the price. Uh, but it will become public anyway, information, the prices. So, you know, just by using the comparables, we were about, I would say, 10%, 10 to 12% below uh, what, what the market value was for this house at the time. Uh, so we picked it up for 400 Okay, it was a house. Um, you know, all the comparables at the time suggested it was worth at least 440 450 something like that. Um, but obviously, since we bought it, the literally, literally the 42 days, it was a 42-day contract. Uh, by the time that it settled, uh, just by looking at the, the new new comparables that came on, uh, the ones that sold, you know, in, in, in the recent week or so, you know, the house was probably at that time worth about 480 490 already, just by organic growth. So, you know, you're getting half below market value half organic growth as well. And that's how this particular client is now in the process of extracting that equity to uh, assist them to buy the next house. Uh, so you're kind of just riding a bit of a boom wave, at, but at the same time, you have to buy the right property to be able to do so. You know, what What most people doing are doing right now when they're buying property is they're paying way too much for it. You know, because they've either, you know, they're thinking to themselves, money's so cheap. You know, they're only paying two, three percent interest rates. Um, you know, they they go to the bank and they give them um, six hundred thousand uh, dollars of uh, of borrowing power, and then they go off and you know they look at a property, even though it might only be worth five hundred thousand dollars. They're like, oh, you know what? I can buy it for up to six hundred. I really want this one. Uh, it looks great. You know, if it fits a lot of my sort of emotional. Uh, buying criteria and I'm more than happy to pay 600 for it you know so that kind of stuff is happening rampantly uh, and it's also creating a lot of FOMO you know so a lot of people are are, are thinking to themselves oh, I'm going to miss out I'm going to miss out I'm going to miss out I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to buy pay a little bit more and just go into it but that's also very dangerous especially in a rising market uh, because you know even though even though you're you've bought a property you're you're p potentially playing catch up, even if the market's going up as you as you bought the property. You know, it might be it might be twelve months before that property is actually worth what you paid for it in the first place. So so it's really important just to maintain a a, a certain level of um of of calmness <laughs> in this market. Don't feel like don't every don't ever feel like you're going to miss out. Uh, there's always going to be another bargain. There's always going to be another deal. There's always going to be another market. Don't forget that property is a long-term long-term game, and during that long term, you're going to get rising markets. You're going to get you know falling markets. You're going to get markets that are doing absolutely nothing. Uh, so it's really important just to just to ensure that every single property you buy fits into what you're looking to achieve in the long term. So Simon, we're talking a little bit about the, I guess, the FOMO. You know, the market right now, where there's a lot of people uh, right now, you know, potentially looking at buying more property, especially first-time buyers and also 
people who've never really been in the market. And I, I, I've been in you know seller's market for at least two two times in my lifetime. One is a real estate agent and one is an investor. And every time that happens, I go, gosh, this is not the time to be buying because there's just too many people. You know, the time just before it goes up is great. But when everyone's all buying, that's the time I just sit back and watch. But for investors out there who are going through this potentially the first time or maybe in seeing this the second time, what have you found to be the best thing to do in this instance? Should What, what do you think you, we should be doing, you know, to be, to be able to, I guess, capitalize on an opportunity like this but also at the same time not get caught up within that FOMO kind of thing? It's the same thing for where the property market's going up, down, left, right or, you know, nothing is just to stay unemotional. You know, emotions, when it comes to investing in anything, you know, emotions is probably the one thing that will cause most people to make mistakes, uh, whether they pay too much or whether they uh, whether they sell at the wrong time. Um, always be ready for opportunities. That's the second thing I will say. You know, get your finances ready, whether it's up market, down market, left, right, center. Um, get your finances ready, get your deposits ready and wait for the right opportunity. Now, there are a lot of people out there that are um, uh, are getting FOMO, uh, including, you know, the people that I, I work with me as well. Uh, you know, like even though on average, the, the, a typical client of mine might buy a property within within about four, four to six weeks or so. Uh, but there is that fear that if we don't buy this next thing, they're going to miss out. Um, so... You know, my suggestion is to don't feel like you're going to miss out. There's always going to be another property. There's always going to be another opportunity. If you're an investor, you should you should practice, uh, you know, being open-minded to different areas as well. You know, not everywhere is is booming as crazily as uh, Sydney uh, or Melbourne. Uh, you know, as an example. So obviously, we're buying heavily in Brisbane at the moment, uh, and even though Brisbane is booming. I, I do feel like we're at the start of the boom cycle. So this boom cycle, given the fact that for the past 10 years, most of Southeast Queensland has done absolutely nothing, I, I do feel like this boom cycle is going to last quite a while, you know, for a number of years, uh, unless, of course, there's economic or government intervention or anything like that. So, you know, ensure the numbers work. Super, super important. You know, again, just look at what properties have been selling for. One of the things I would recommend is instead of looking at comparables from two months or three months back, get your get your hands on data that might even be just a week old. Okay, so literally in a rising market, it's important to look at what sold last week that are comparable to what you're looking at. You know, because that will give you a much more accurate representation of what a particular house that you're looking at is worth. Yeah, because two, three months old, that's already old data that's gone. So if you're look, let's say you're looking at a house, it's it's worth five, it's it's going to cost five hundred thousand dollars to buy it. You know, if you're looking at old data, like two to three months back, you might be thinking, you know, houses back then were selling for four fifty. You know, but there's obviously no way you can buy this house at four fifty because within the two months, the market's actually already moved. So it's important to look at that and say, okay, cool, maybe if I do pay five hundred thousand dollars for it, based on the house literally sold three days ago that sold for five thirty, it's still not a bad deal. You know, so that's that's just one thing about just being a little bit more diligent about the kind of data or the kind of um, uh, research that you're doing as well. Um, don't be afraid to explore different markets. I think I've mentioned this already, but 
you know, even if it's in the same city, you know, a lot of people again have a prejudice of buying in a particular area、um, that is、uh, that that they think is going to perform better long term. But if there's no opportunities in that particular area at present because it's just getting absolutely smashed by owner occupiers and first home buyers and there's no listings and all that kind of stuff, don't be afraid to venture into other areas that you know it may be foreign to you or areas that you might have a negative perception about. I think a lot of people did this in Sydney and Melbourne, you know, back in the boom、uh, at the start of the Sydney boom, for example.、Uh, you know, everyone obviously wanted to buy as close to the city as possible. Uh, and they were neglecting、uh, Western Sydney or, or, or areas that were further out. But obviously, in hindsight, now looking back, if they bought in these areas,、um, they probably would have made a lot more money、uh, from a from a from a growth percentage growth perspective.、Uh, so, you know, I think it's important to to just、uh, look at the fundamentals. You know, obviously, you're still looking at areas that are you know close to school shops, parks, and transport.、Um, you know, good amenities, close to city, a lot of government spending, a lot of infrastructure upgrades, all that kind of stuff as well.、Um, but it's a natural progression in any booming city where the money goes further and further out. Eventually, you know, obviously, everyone wants to live close to the city in, in desirable areas. But when people get priced out, they immediately gentrify and move into the next best thing. So as investors, we you know it's important for us to be maybe one step ahead of that, and think okay, cool, what is that next best thing, and maybe you should be getting into that area before it gets smashed, just like you know that desirable area is is happening at the moment. So I think a combination of all, all these things will、um, increase any buyers or any investors' chance of picking up a, a decent investment property in this in this market. Thank you to buyers agent Simon Liu, our guest on this special episode of Invest Like a Pro, presented by Housefinder. Also, for being a loyal listener of the podcast, I've asked Simon to offer a free one-hour strategy session, normally valued at five hundred dollars, to help you put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session, simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form, or call Simon directly on zero four one five six two six three four two and quote. Property investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com/tapiphone. 